0: Uh, all right. Let's let's get into the word uh, we've been talking about: healed and whole. And actually, uh, let's let's start off today with a, with the prescription for infirmity. The prescription for infirmity. And we're going to get into some things about faith here in a second. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to navigate through all this without faith. All right. So so there's a scripture in the Bible and we'll get to it in a second. First John four. Uh, uh, but that says, "Perfect love cast out fear and torment." Right, the torment, and so, so the closer we are in proximity to God, the less we fear, uh, the less fear will operate, and the closer we uh, are in proximity to God, the less fear will operate. It, you know, because uh, God is love. And perfect, complete love casts out fear and the torment that's associated with it. So, again, perfect love casts out fear, but God is love, right? And so, because God is love, that perfect, complete love, perfect meaning complete love, casts out fear and the torment that's associated with it. So, the adversary will try to deceive us into believing that we need but only to go so deep into our communion with God. So as we're growing in, in, in our life with God, the adversary always tries to get us to kind of park at this safe place where, you know, and, and, and for a lot of us, when we first come out of, you know, I'm just going to say the world, but I'm going to say not being obedient to God, the place that we're in really stands out amongst all the people we were around before. You know what I'm saying? So it, 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 it's understandable how you may feel a sense of, hey, you know, I'm really doing this thing. And then you are doing more than you've done before. Or we're doing more than we've done before. But we're, we're not just trying to do more than we've done before. We're trying to position ourselves to get in communion with God. And the adversary would also convince some that they can only go so deep in God. So So some he'll convince he'll deceive into believing uh, that we need only to go but so deep. Uh, and then for others, he'll intimidate and convince, well, you, you can only go. So some, ah, you only need to go but so deep because that person is trying to get deep in God. But then for others, before they even make that move, it's like, well, you're only going to get but so close to God. So I don't even know, you know, don't set no major target. And all of this is deception because his, his goal is, you know, the deeper you get with God, he can't torment you through the vehicle of fear. All right, so let's go to 1, 1 John 4 since we referenced it, but I wanted to prep it first. 1 John chapter 4. And for the sake of time, I'm going to read it out of the, the Amplified Classic. Amplified version. I right, uh Marie 12 through 8. First John 4, 12 through 8. It says, no man has at any time yet, it emphasized yet, seen God. But if we love one another, God abides, lives, and remains in us, and his love, that love which is essentially his, is brought to completion. So think about it. If we love one another, Is a piece of of us completing our love. God abides or lives and remains in us. And his love, that love which essentially is his, is brought to completion to its full maturity, runs its full course, and is perfected in us. So a part of us completing our love in God is loving one another. Now, if you think about it, it makes sense because as we're growing in God, what is our temptation? Our temptation is isolation. Our temptation is blowing folk off or or like trying to reduce maybe their their uh their need into it's not really that important right it's harder it's hard for us to get out of self, so therefore it's hard for us to walk into perfect love. Even the ambitious person, most of the ambitious uh people they're always tempted with you know, something that's going to make them look good. They're not, they're rarely tempted with doing things that's going to benefit others. You see what I'm saying? It's always about their benefit. So we may be in perfect success, but not in perfect love. You see what I'm saying? Uh, Well, I don't even know if that's perfect success. I'm going to say we may be in success, (laughs) but not necessarily in perfect love. Verse 13, it says, by this we come to know, perceive, perceive, recognize and understand that we abide, live and remain in him and he in us. Now it says by this, but it just previously told us what the by this was, right? Appropriating ourselves by loving others and we're getting completeness love. It says because he has given and imparted to us his holy spirit verse 14. Uh, we're at first John four, chapter four, verse fourteen. It says, and besides, we ourselves have seen, have deliberately and steadfastly contemplated, and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Verse 15. Anyone who confesses confesses, acknowledges, owns that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides. Again lives, makes his home in him, and he abides, lives, makes his home in God. So if I confess Jesus, my Lord and Savior, and I really believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, not only is God now uh, deciding to reside and make a home in my vessel, but I'm deciding to make a home in God, not in the world. I'm deciding to make a home in God, right? Verse 16, and we know, understand, recognize, I'm reading out a Classic Amplified Version. And we know, understand, recognize, are conscious of by observation and by experience and believe, adhere to and put forth in and rely on the love God cherishes for us. God is love, and he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God, and God dwells and continued in him, continues in him. So think about it. God is love. He who dwells and continues in love. So the thing is, sometimes we're living this Christian life and we're trying to appropriate the signs, wonders, and miracles from God, but are we continuing in love? So so we may accept Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, but some of us, our lifestyle is selfish. That's not love. And so we go, I don't understand why this is not happening. Why does this not click our lifestyle is saving face, not humility and love, right? And so we have to realize that this tweak of living in love, operating in love, seeking love is what's going to facilitate us actually uh, going deeper in a complete communion and love with God. But let's jump over here to verse 17. It's going to explain this to us. In this, in everything that we just finished talking about, In this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us, that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, with assurance and boldness to face him, because as he is, so are we in this world. How is he? God is love. So are we in love in the world. You see, we're operating like God. So we're bold when judgment day comes because we know we we just like the just shall live by faith, we live by love, right? But if we live by self, I guarantee you we're not confident—not the day of judgment, we're not confident in just our everyday everyday prayers. We're not confident in having a conversation with God or believing God's going to come through us because we know we're not operating the way God would want us to operate. All right. So verse eighteen. All right, this is our focus. The buildup was for this. There is no fear in love. So if I'm in fear, I haven't completed my love walk here. Right? There's no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels, look, look, every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment... And so, he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. And see, so, okay, so now we have to locate ourselves. If, if we're, and, and hey, 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 everybody has so many different levels, but if this, this fear or this worry about demise, punishment, or something happening is in us, there's another level of pressure we have to be in love. Right, because perfect love casts out fear. Now, now, this lines up with infirmity because remember we talked about uh, the scripture says fear has torment. So, so the infirmity is, is tormenting your mind, right? And so it's a trace of terror. It's terrifying you. This is going to meet your demise. This is going to kill you. This is never going away. Uh, you might as well just deal with this, right? Well, this is coming from The adversary having access to torment because we're not as close in communion as God would like us to be. But sometimes he's convinced us not to go deeper. So we must have faith in God and his love for us to boldly go deeper into the throne of grace. We must have faith in God and his love for us to boldly go deeper into the throne of grace. Let's go to Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4.60. Now, we opened up saying, this is our prescription for infirmity, you know, you know because this, the, the infirmity is, is, is unbel- okay, I'm supposed to be believing for healing, right? The infirmity is trying to terrorize me or torment me to say, um, no, what you're dealing with? Because, you know, the first time you even deal with a sickness and a disease, the adversary tries to offer thoughts in your mind like, whoa, this might be it. You know, you ain't been totally obedient. This might be it. This is, hey, wow, wow. You know you should have been obedient on that last situation. You know what I'm saying? Like all that stuff tries to cross, through you, cross your mind, right? All right, so Hebrews 4.16, and I'm reading out the Amplified it again. It says, insomuch then as we have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, right, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, Of faith in Him, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is who is unable to understand and sympathize, and have a shared feeling of uh, with with our weaknesses and infirmities. Keyword: infirmities, and and liability to assaults of temptation. But one who has been tempted in every respect as as we are, yet without sinning. Right? Nothing pulled him out of the presence of God. Let us then fearlessly, fearlessly without fear, and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favors to us sinners. Right? It's not something that we uh, earned, it's something that God is gracing us with. That we may receive mercy for our failures. And find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. So, this is so interesting. This did not say come to God boldly because you perfectly are walking in perfection. No, this just says come to God boldly for grace in the time of need. Right? What it's saying is, and then he says, come to God for mercy. Through your failures. So this is saying you were gonna navigate. I was talking to a young man today about, you know, he was like, Well, you know, so so in a, he was in the situation, he said, you know, so you know, just how am I navigating as I'm going through this suffering? I said, Well, suffering is a relative statement. And so in this particular case, I don't think he'll mind me saying it, but this was an accident. Person was an accident. So I said, Well accident is an interruption, but it ain't necessarily suffering. You see. So he says, what about all the things that's attached to it? I said, you know, uh, so he was uh, sharing with me, you know, your insurance could go up and, you know, it could affect your bills. I said, well, your insurance can go up and God can increase your income, too. So, so you know what I'm saying? It's, re- it's a relative way of looking at it. But the, the, what I was telling him, is, I said, in this life with God, how we're measuring where we are with God is not if we're going through something. It's how we're handling what we're going through. So I know where I'm at with God. Well, do I respond in fear or in love, in faith? You see what I'm saying? So if I'm responding in fear, that's my thermostat that to go, okay, I got to go deeper into my relationship with God. You see what I'm saying? Not, oh, my God, it's a circumstance, so I must not, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to, deal, I'm not supposed to have circumstances. That's not true. We're going to have circumstances how we respond and handle. Some of us have been living in, in, in fear and torment in our mind for the longest. But, you know, like we got we to gotta be diligent in this thing. How, how bad do you want it? You know what I'm saying? How bad? When we're casual with the things of God, um, we're going to be casual with how we navigate into it. So, so again, the, the prescription for this infirmity is go deeper in God, Right? Now, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6, right? So it takes faith. But guess what? Faith worketh by what? Love, right? Galatians 5.16, you know, you know. Remember, we talked about the principles. The principles of faith is what? God has dealt to every man what? Measure of faith. That's Romans 12.3, right? But just having a measure is not enough, right? We want that faith. We don't want it just sitting there dormant. We want it coming up or resurrected faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more the word we pour in, the more faith rises, right? Right. But when it rises to the surface, we don't don't just want it on the surface. We want it activated, right? Right. So faith is activated or worketh by what? Love, right? And then once it's activated, we just don't want it to be activated in the moment. We We want it on demand, right? And that's why the just shall Live by faith. These are four, our four principles of faith from the foundational class on living faith. I just thought I plug, put a plug in for those. You know, just you know, just keep keep talking about the fundamentals so we could, um, they could be a part of our life. And so, so I mentioned this because we're talking about love, and we're talking about going deeper with God. We're talking about coming boldly to the throne of grace. We're talking about this is going to get this affirmities, affirmities out of our mind. So I got to get in communion with God. But this is all going to take faith, right? Now let's look here. It's so interesting because uh, when you when you think of sickness and disease, um, faith plays a big part. Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole, right? Right? Um, Lord gave me something early this morning. If I have time, maybe I'll share it. If so, I'll. You, you have, so, you have to stay with me because I might have to tell you to turn my phone on because okay. I put the notes in my phone. It may fit here. All right, James chapter 5. Let's go to James chapter 5. Uh, we're going to focus on verse 16. Let's just read 15 first. All right? Because it's talking about the prayer of faith. Right? It says, and the prayer of faith, now, again, uh, the foundational classes, we have a foundational class on uh, understanding prayer when we talk about the different types of prayer. Sometimes we're play, praying uh, uh, the wrong prayer for the situation and wondering why it's not happening. And we talk about the different level, different types of prayer. So we little plug again for the foundational classes, right? <laughs> All right, so so here's the prayer of faith. It's one of the prayers that we talk about. It says, "And the prayer of faith shall save the sick." And we already know, save salvation, wholeness. The prayer of faith shall that's interesting. It says, "And the Lord shall raise him up, if He have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him." Now, look, this is all tied into the person getting healed, right? Right? And then look here at verse 16. It says, confess your faults. Now, remember, we talked about it's about loving others, being in a relationship with others. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that she may be what? Healed. Healed. Now, look at this. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Another version says makes much power available. Right? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He didn't say you necessarily have to make sure you have access to me, but you need to have access to one of my men and women of God, one of my vessels, which we blow off. You know, it's kind of like, it, it, cause, and a lot of it is pride. It's like, well, I don't want this person to have ministered or God used this vessel to heal because then it's like, now it's like I, I owed them or something. No, you owe God. They're just a vessel, Okay. So many have failed to receive our Lord's healing in their bodies because they have dictated to him just how and when they wanted God's blessing to manifest. So we kind of dictate. And I watch the, the, the I'm going to call them for our conversation, the super saints. The super saints, everything has to be in their own world, their own boxes based on their own might and their own hands. And then they get to these humble positions when that, those are the moments where like, just like a Nehemiah, when Nehemiah had to go dip in that Jordan, well, they got to dip in the Jordan. And they're dipping in the Jordan is in, through the instruction of somebody that may not have the credentials that, that, uh, that they, want, they, they want. So I want the credentials to heal me because if this person heals me, then I have to at least appreciate and honor them, and I see myself above them. See what I'm saying? Yeah, just, you, you never get healed that way. So praying the, fair, praying the prayer of faith does not necessarily mean that the answer is seen or felt immediately. Praying the prayer of faith is just that. You're praying the, fair, uh, you're praying the prayer and you're believing that, that's, that everything uh, was ignited or, or got started at that particular time. Uh, faith has nothing to do with anything but the Word of God. Not the circumstances, not how you feel, not the sensation, not the person with the accolades. It's the word of God. When we prayed the other day for the uh, cinnamon and, and the other two young ladies, I, I prepped you. It's like, we're not the healer. And basically, I, I walked you through the reality of our world up here. The reality of our world up here is somebody needs healing. We're going we're gonna to pray according to God's word. We're believing according to this guy's word, not according to our ability. Now, there's some things that's happened in, 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 in our lives. I, and I, 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 was, I got the mic, so I'll speak about me where, where I, was, I was in a conference and the gift of healing anointing was imparted into me by uh, Benny Hinn. I was in a, another meeting. I was really just serving as an armor bearer and another man, a guy comes up to me and uh, Him and his wife prayed over a tie, threw the tie at me and said, Receive the gift of healing and anointing. I know these people from Adam. So these things have been imparted. Uh, These people are are imparting, you know, remember uh, Paul talked about, you know, hands was laid on you, Timothy, because of your grandmother Eunice and stuff like that. So there's gifts in people that they stir up in other people. So I'm not talking about that. I, I, I know those things have happened. I believe things were imparted, but that's not what I'm thinking about when I'm praying for people. Somebody imparting the gift of healing, anointing, whatever in you, that, that is not what stirs up the gift. Our faith in God's word is what does. So my focus has to be on God's word, not on, oh, I'm, uh, you, know, I'm uh, you know, I was imparted at this spirit, so come on, little lamb, let me heal you. Man, it ain't nothing gonna happen there because now your faith is in you and you're not the healer. I'm not the healer, right? Does that make sense? So faith has nothing to do with anything but the word of God. Let's look here at John 15. Let's go here, John 15. And again, I, you know, I, my wife would tell you I've been like this for a long time. I try to take all the spook out of it. You know, like, you know, it's like we, live, we, we come to the kingdom and anything supernatural is spooky. It's not spooky is just as real as the, it's more real than the natural. It's just that we've been living in the natural so long, it's just hard for us to see or receive, right? All right, so John 15, verse 7, it says this, if you abide in me, that remains in me. We just talked about operating in love helps us to do that. And my words abide in you, remain in you. You shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, it's broken down. This is God's word. God's word says, if I, if, if, if I abide in him, if I submerge myself in him, and his, and, and his word submerge itself in me, I can ask what I will and it shall be done unto it. Now, I'm going to ask you to use your imagination. I, you know, I, I wasn't really prepared for this scripture, uh, but I, would, I have a prop that I've used over the years where I had a big bowl of water and it had a, a, almost like a Coke bottle. And so in the Coke bottle, there was a pin cap on the inside of the Coke bottle. So I took the bottle. So the, the, the bowl of water is representing God. So the bottle is representing us. Glass made from sand. We're made from clay, right? So you take, take the bottle and you submerge it inside the water. Well, so that's us abiding in him. Well, after a while, when you submerge the bottle inside the water, what happens to the water? the water starts to go inside the bottle. But when it fills up, you'll see the pen cap shoot out. So let's say the pen cap represents the sickness and disease. We take our vessel and we submerge ourselves in God, which represents the water, right? Well, that word now starts to... So we abide in him. His word starts to submerge itself into us. And what it does is it, it, it fills us up and it flushes out the sickness, disease, and the infirmity. You see what I'm saying? But... but but you got to submerge yourself. Not, this is not a drive-by. You're not just driving by. You're not just casual. You're not just after I listen to all the world's music, all the world's songs, all the world's shows. After I did all the world, now I'm going to do a couple of shout-outs to God. That's not abiding in nothing. But if you submerge yourself, you can ask what you will. Why? Because what's flushing out of you are faith-filled words, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right, in Matthew 12. All right. So if you have faith, Jesus said nothing is impossible, right? Nothing is impossible. Let's go to Matthew. So so once I, I really cross over into this life of faith, right? something different starts to happen in how I operate in what seem seemingly was impossible before I started submerging myself into God. So Matthew 17:20 Matthew 17:20 It says and Jesus said unto them because of your unbelief Well, I'm sorry. They, they were trying to rebuke the devil, and they, it was a devil they couldn't rebuke, so Jesus came and rebuked the devil. I'll just start at verse 18, and Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. So we can see the child being cured, meaning the devil is what was facilitating the sickness and disease and their infirmity, right? Verse 19, then came the disciples to Jesus apart, you know, separate from everybody else and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. You didn't believe, right? He says, For verily I say unto you, you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed. I'm gonna have to read what I what I put on that phone, sweetheart. Faith of a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. Look, look, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. It says how be it this this kind goeth not out by prayer and fasting. So what he was saying is you got to go deeper. You got to cut out more of the flesh, right? Right? So nothing shall be impossible. Let's go here, Matthew 19. Now, this is the God's Word. He's saying nothing shall be impossible. Uh, Matthew 19. And so, so this is after Jesus breaks down uh, the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler comes to him, and he asks, "You found what I was looking for? Yeah, you know what I was looking for. Yeah, that's cool, but that's probably it. Yeah, I'll just take it, cause I know I'm a Thank you. Is it? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Good to have a great teammate. All right, so, uh, so Jesus, rich young ruler comes and he's, he says, you know. What do I need to do to just roll with you? And he tells all the things he needs to do. And, you know, And he says, it's good that you've done all these things. He says, says, but there's one thing thou lacketh. He didn't say one thing everybody lacks. He said one thing thou lacketh because he saw in his heart, he says, your possessions are your confidence. Your stuff, what you got, is where your confidence is. You're navigating in life based on your confidence, not because you're in communion with me. He said, so for you, you're going to have to be willing to give up what you have and then follow me. Submer- so basically what basically he was saying is you're submerging your stuff, submerging me, and you'll be good. He never said he wasn't going to get nothing better. He just said, just like, remember, Abraham, he never said that he didn't have an option. He just said, give me your child. There was a ram in the bush. He just, he had to be willing to, he couldn't be submerging himself in the fact that I got a son. He wanted him to submerge himself in me. It's all about being in communion with God, right? So this guy, uh, he, he went away sad. So the disciples, because they were top businessmen, these wasn't like broke people, right? They, you know, fishermen and stuff like that. They, I mean, they, they, you know, they, they were entrepreneurs. They wrote it. so It was like, and then you know, Jesus broke down. It was harder for a rich man to get into a heaven uh, uh hard, it's harder for a rich man to get to an IVA, It's harder for a camel to get to an IVA him than a rich man to get into heaven, right? And so so the disciples are like, well then who can be saved? Why would you say that if you broke? If you ain't got no no resources, why would you even care? You like, cool, I'm getting in, right? That wouldn't that be your response? If you ain't had nothing, you'd be like, oh good, man, them rich people they ain't getting in nowhere. No, they, their response was well, then, how, who can get in then? Because their thought is, we're, we're king's kids. We're, we're prospering. Like, come on, they had a treasurer. You got a treasurer? I don't have a treasurer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so he was like, so then he broke, so he, he, he broke down to them after they asked that. Uh, well, we'll start at verse 24. We're going to focus on 26. But he says, again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle Therefore, for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? <laughs> if this is the principle, well, who, who going to heaven? See, see, their, their process was not everybody don't have nothing. Their process was everybody has everything they need. So then can nobody get in? Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible, with God all things so he never said nobody couldn't get in. He said you can't get in if you're submerged in the things. You can get in if you're submerged in the king, right? And then uh let's do Mark 9. So, so that's twice all things are possible, right? Just wanted to wanted us to walk through these references just so we'll see. Uh these are actually some of my favorite passages too. So Mark 9, 23, it says it again. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth." So when things seem impossible, there's something going on with our belief. And normally there's fear and there's worry and there's concern. Let's go over to the next chapter, chapter 10, verse 27. Right, this is pretty much the same version of that we read in uh Matthew nineteen. This is Mark's version. And Jesus looking upon them said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. You know, after that Peter you know, Peter, you know, Peter the zeal one he said, Man, we left all, man, so well <laughs> we getting in. <laughs> He's like, We getting in. All right, so, so again, if you have faith, Jesus said nothing is impossible to you. And so it, it's going to take faith, which worketh by love, for us to facilitate our healing. True faith must ignore natural senses. True faith must ignore natural senses. Scripture tells us what? To walk by faith and not by sight. Natural senses, Right. The scripture also tells us, well, that's 2 Corinthians 5.7, but Galatians 5.16, right? We know that one around here, right? Walk in the spirit, not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So that flesh is going to lust for you to listen to your feelings. The spirit is going to say, listen to the word of God, right? Because we know what? The spirit is indeed but the flesh is, right? So, so, so the flesh is you you know, I'll just tell you, you know, some, some of these things are how I look at life, okay? So this one is how I look at life. This ain't necessarily a specific scripture, but I was like, give God a shot at least. Not the first time you're tempted, you go right into worry. Like when something happens, why is our first response concern? Like, can, can we give God like, like a shot? Could he get like first team, second team, thirteen honorable mention, something? You know, but like the first thought, first person. You know, you had to pick teams to win the game. Like, why is fear is the first draft choice? Right? Why can't faith be a first draft choice? You know what I'm saying? Like, give it a shot. Like, I could see if I've been believing and I'm, I'm man, I'm going through. No, it just happened. <laughs> it just happened. And the first thought is worry and concern, right? And so so I just think you know, we we need to give God a little bit, a little bit of like. All right, God, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to see what you can do. At least that. Can we get at least that? He needs more than that, but he gets at least that. Right? Cause I, I used to I used to tell the guys, you know, we to, we had this uh, basketball program that was a part of the church. And so I was constantly talking to them about, it. I said, hey, y'all there doing and out. You're going to come mess us up when it comes time to play. We're playing for God. And so, God told me, he said, man, you know, well, I, I messed up last night. I was like, man, but like, we just talked. Like, that's like the first temptation? Like, could you resist a little bit? Like, <laughs> you know, could we show some level of resistance is what I'm saying. So, true faith ignores the senses. Sight and feeling belong to a natu- to the natural person. Sight and feeling belong to the natural person. Remember, we talked about the natural person in disciples' personality, right? Remember, that natural person is, is, is closed to God, but they got the flesh wide open, right? Remember that on our circle diagram, right? So sight and feeling. Sight and feeling is our emphasis here. Sight and feeling belong to who? The natural person. Faith and obedience belong to the supernatural Christian. Faith and obedience belongs to the supernatural Christian. So when I claim myself as a a man, or woman of God, what belongs to me, my my tools of operation is faith and obedience, not sight and feeling, right? You see the difference? And, and, And in reality, this is a target. Every Christian should be a supernatural person. Every Christian should be a supernatural person, right? I mean... We, how, how are we Christians? Because we live in Christ, right? So if Christ is operating in us, the Holy Spirit is operating in us, we should operate beyond the natural person, right? We Some super on our natural, right? But right? it's hard for a natural person to take faith as its evidence that replaces sense knowledge. So when, when a natural person... Is getting knowledge of the senses, and somebody approaches them in faith. It's hard for them to receive the faith because their first thought or their first voice. If you have a conference in a conference room, president have different people. I'm sure the vice president gets to speak first. You know what I'm saying? Priorities. We got priorities. Vice president might be, I guess, secretary of state or whatever. I don't know who's after that. Um, uh, so. But imagine if like the, uh, I don't know, press secretary or, or, you know, or, you know, somebody cleaning the offices that day, right? And that's the person that gets to speak first. That's how it is when we're Christians and we let the flesh talk first. Like that's the lowest, they're the lowest person on the totem pole. Faith and obedience should get the first shot, Right? By right. sense knowledge is deception, um, well, sense knowledge is deception when it doesn't agree with the Word of God. So we have sense knowledge. It's supposed to be used, our vessel is supposed to be used by our spirit man for us to navigate through this life. You know, that's when you know something's hot when something's cold, what have you, right? But when, it's, when, when your senses are telling you something that's opposite of the Word of God, Right? That's deception. Sense knowledge is deception when it doesn't agree with the Word of God. So so how does that look? Somebody gives you the Word of God, but I feel. (laughs) So immediately we're saying the sense knowledge is more important than what God's saying. So faith does not consider what the natural eyes see, what the natural ear hears, or the natural body feels. Faith does not consider what the natural eye sees, what the natural ear hears, and the natural body feels. And this is, this is different to our minds because our mind says, well, logically, you know, <laughs> I feel, you know. And God is saying, well, spiritually, I say. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You know, faith, e- faith heeds only to God's promises. Now, some of the, most of the stuff that I'm saying right now, if I seem like I'm going fast, you can get it on the video. You know, it's it's most, mostly, most of everything I'm saying is on the video. If it's not on the video. You should have took good notes. <laughs> yeah, so, and this is, I mean, I told you, note-taking is when something hits you, write it down. Don't worry about, oh my God, I got to get that too. Just write down what you get, all right? And then go back and look at the video. So it's on the video whether it's written on the video or not, right? It's either verbally communicated or written, right? So you can get it if you go to the video, right? So in the mind of faith, diseases are healed even before prayers are offered. In the mind of faith, diseases are healed even before prayers are offered. In the mind of faith, diseases are healed even before prayers are offered. 1 John 5.4. 1 John 5.4. And see, we all being set up in our lives and here at Ayer's Christian Center Church. Even by by guys having us teach on healed, healed and whole, having us teach on belonging, boy, uh, we're about to do something, I, th- I think, on fear. Like, we're all being set up because the whole world's dealing with this. Like, people aren't sleeping. Like, that's not. Like, you think about it. Come on, come unto me all are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Rest for your soul. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me. I'll give you rest for your souls, right? And the Scripture says in Hebrews, enter into my rest. So the thing is, we're... we're playing off of more of what's being fed to us than what God says to us, right? First John 5 4 says this, it says for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, right? And this is the victory to overcome in the world, look, even our faith. So faith automatically uh, uh, it's real to faith already even before it's manifested. Right? Because faith is what? Substance of things hoped for and what? Evidence of things what? Not seen. So faith is, is real to faith before we see it. That's why it's healed to faith before it's manifested. <laughs> right? Because it's real to faith before we see it. Right? It's already real to faith. Right? And so it's healed to faith before it's even manifested. Right? Faith moves and acts like God moves and acts. Faith moves and acts like God moves and acts. So think about this in Genesis. God shows up, you know, because remember, Satan was kicked down from heaven, right? And so he came down. So basically, you have someone that allowed darkness and evil in their heart, and they're an archangel. They're a powerful being. So the scripture says that a powerful being falls from heaven like lightning. I mean, a satellite falls to the ground, and once it hits the the gravity in the atmosphere, it drops faster and creates an explosion, right? So imagine a, a divine being falling from heaven like lightning and ended up in the earth realm. Well, you have darkness and void upon the face of the earth. God sees darkness but speaks what? Light. He never even got, he never even, man, it's dark down here. You know i Like, I can't believe, you know, came down here and created this mess. No, he just spoke light. So faith moves and acts like God moves and acts. So you speak what you want, not what you see or feel, right? So faith moves and acts like God moves and acts, but reason is troubled, excited, and nervous. Reason is troubled, excited, and nervous. Faith stands unmoved. So when I'm in a situation and I'm moved, I'm operating in reason, not in faith. Reason is troubled, excited, and nervous. Faith stands unmoved. And sometimes we justify being moved, but... All we're saying is, I don't believe God, right? Faith knows that God cannot lie. So faith never argues, but takes it for granted when a request has been made according to the word of God. So faith knows God cannot lie, right? Never argues, but takes it for granted when a request is made according to the Word of God. So faith is, as a request is made according to the Word of God, oh, it's done. (laughs) It's according to the Word. It's done. So that's how, as we grow and God uses us to pray and administer healing, healing to the sick, well, What it is is a request is being made. Someone's coming to the altar to receive something that the Word of God has already promised. So what are we doing? We're attaching our faith with the Word of God and with their faith to receive it, so God can do His thing. We're taking for granted it's done. You see what I'm saying? Faith considers a work as finished even before it's manifested. Faith considers a work as finished even before it's manifested. See, because if I'm in faith, God said it, I believe it, that settles it, right? We'll get into this in upcoming weeks, Where the Bible says what? The word is settled in heaven. might be in my notes now. I'm not sure. But, you know, in Psalm 119, I believe 89 or something like that, the word is forever settled in heaven. So faith says, I believe it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's it. What did God say? Whenever it comes up, faith says, what did God say? Hey, before we do anything, what did God say? I remember uh, somebody had requested something. They was calling my wife. You know, solicitors a lot of times try to figure they call a woman. They're going to, you know, you know they'll, they'll pull on their emotional strings or whatever. So they call Pastor Mel. Pastor Mel was talking to him, and, and it was something that she was interested in. And the person says, okay, so what do we need to do to make this happen? She said, oh, no, 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 no. She says, I have to talk to my husband first. She says whatever. Even when she came in here, and 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 all the juices was flowing through from her toes to her head, that this is the building. She still asked the pastor, "Ho, ho! I gotta call my husband, right?" So, so when a situation comes up, we're saying, "What did the word say?" I gotta check on God, see what God says. I hear with the situation. The, the feelings are saying, the circumstances are saying, and here what the doctors are saying, what is God saying? Right? And once we find out what God's saying, oh, no. I, I remember when Jerry Savelle, uh was at the hospital, and the person said, well, your daughter's never going to have fingers again. He says, well, sir, he said, he, he didn't, you, you, uh, uh, atheist, he didn't do that. He just said, hey, you do what you got to do. I'm going to do what I have to do. So, basically, you're trained to operate based on circumstances, symptoms, worst-case scenarios, whatever. So your job is to tell me both possibilities. You do your job, I'm going to do mine. And his daughter's fingers grew grew back. So never confess your feelings, they weaken your faith. Never confess your feelings, they weaken your faith. There will always be a conflict between your feelings, the flesh, and the word of faith always a conflict between your feelings and the word of faith. So, so think about this. Walking by faith is walking by the word. Walking by faith is walking by the word. So right now in that situation that you're thinking about, uh, I'm talking to you sitting right there, um, like this is the shift you were looking for, like because the de- your default is the worst case scenarios in the circumstances. Your default is reason. So what God is asking you to do is shift your default to now lock in on what did God say in his word. And when you open your mouth about that situation, just say God's word. That's what you've been looking for. And and this week, when you keep speaking God's word, you're going to see a change, and you're going to get a report of a change, okay? All right, so the carnal mind cannot understand this message, so it it refuses to listen to it. The carnal mind cannot understand this message. So, so when, so remember, we talked about the carnal mind is what the worldly Christian, right, and disciples personality, right. So we had the, the natural person was closed to God and uh, open to the flesh. The carnal Christian or the worldly Christian was what had the door open to both. You know, open to, you know, open to the. Um, flesh and God at the same time. So carnal mind or fleshly mind is what the scripture says, right? Let's go to Romans 8. So the carnal mind cannot understand this message, so it refuses to listen to it. So, 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 so you ever be in a situation, I know Karen was talking about this last week, she said uh, at the Bible Study Fellowship, and she was like, and I think she mentioned it here too, but she said, uh, uh, I was teaching something one day. And she was, and while I was teaching, her head was going like this, <laughs> but almost like involuntary, like, no, 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 not, and not even really processing it. So, sometimes when we're carnally minded, like, our flesh is not giving us a choice. We're shutting or, or, or refusing or running from things um, without, without really having a say. Uh, Romans 8 verse 7. It says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject or submitted to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The carnal mind cannot. Look, and then the next verse says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It, the carnal mind cannot submit to the things of God. You know, we're, you know, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, and, and, and so it's so interesting how even as we're living in Christians, we tell ourselves, we give ourselves permission to be stubborn. I'm just stubborn like that. No, you're just disobedient like that. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I'm just stubborn. Just, you know, I'm just disobedient. Like, we have to cross over into a, a, a life where we're submitting to the things of God, right? A verse. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.16, I'll just give you this. It says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Right? It says, but we have the mind of Christ. So when we submit to the mind of Christ, we can, we're having a communion and exchange with God that we're flowing with God. Outside of that, people were honestly processing the things of God as if they actually can assess God. Some of us have been assessing and questioning God for years. That's why the Scripture tells us casting down all imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus, right? And then the next verse says having a readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You know, that will cross us into some things that we need. So the body... Uh, is the laboratory of the five senses. No wonder it needs to be presented as a living sacrifice. The body is the laboratory of the five senses, right? So, So the body's not tripping. It navigates through the five senses, but we're supposed to be presenting our body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. So we're not supposed to be led by our body, our feelings. We're supposed to be led by the spirit. They that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. So sometimes you might just stop, want to stop claiming I'm a child of God and this, that, and the other if you're not led by the Spirit. They that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Not if you're led by the flesh or you're led by your intellect or you're led by, you know, your, your uh, pride and all that. You're, you're not a child of God. Your child of God is led by the Spirit. You know, when you can't even control your mouth, You ain't led by the Spirit because one of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Self-control. Right. So when the mind is renewed, it can see the spiritual value of the right confession. When the mind is, is renewed, it can see the spiritual value of the right confession. It shifts to know that what I say is important. I don't need to say what I feel or see. I need to say what God said. So it speaks out what God says, right? Any person can get rid of their doubts by looking steadfastly and only at the evidence which God has given our faith. Right? So when I'm trying to get rid of doubts, I gotta flood myself with what God says. Right? Not flood myself with what I say or they say what God says, right? Saying, saying only what God says will produce and increase faith. Saying only what God says will produce and increase faith. Saying only what God says. So, so man, I'm just depressed today. Is that what God said? I'm not depressed, by the way. I, just, I didn't put that out in the atmosphere, right? You know what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? What is God? When we open our mouth, like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Self-loathing? Yeah, so that's not saying what God says. I can't do nothing right. That ain't saying what God says. So we have to shift ourselves to start to operate in believing. I was just thinking about this. um, It's probably in that note from this morning. Uh, But I was just thinking about like when my mind just shifted, I first heard, "snare by the words of your mouth, life and death is in the power of the tongue. I just shifted to saying, you know. So I purposely say stuff. I purposely say, oh, I got great recall. At every level of my life. So I'm not, yeah, you're getting older, you're going to lose your recall. No, I just be saying it. I'm just speaking. I, say, I got great recall. You know what I'm saying? Right, listen, no matter, somebody can tell me anything they want. i like, yeah, I got good recall, you know. Yeah, I pretty much can remember, you know, I keep speaking it. Why? You got to start saying what you want, not amplifying the negative. You see what I'm saying? So I just purposely do stuff. You know, I, I, you know, I, I could, uh, you know, once I see it, I probably can figure it out. Like I just be, you know, somebody would tell me today, what, what, what happens when circumstances come up? Be honest, I, the Lord gave me this thing. He told me one day, he's like, it's a surprise to you, but it's not a surprise to me. So I just roll like that now. We'd be talking and be like, hey, well, it's a surprise. That's, our, that's our conversation now, right? It's a surprise to us, but it's not a surprise to God. Otherwise, interpret it if it's not a surprise to God, God has some uh, answer, wisdom, provision for it. And so I thought about it today because somebody asked me, what happens when this happens? And I said, wow. I said, man, and Pastor Melvin crossing over living this certain way, and I forgot. There was a time when soon something would happen, like, oh, my God, something happened today. Something happens every day. But God got wisdom for it, (laughs) right? There's nothing that comes at you that God can't get you out of, right? All right, so the, the evidence of faith, the evidences of faith are much stronger than those of doubting, right? We must know what benefits, what the benefits of redemption are before we can appropriate them by faith. So we gotta know that there's benefits we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, of poverty, sickness, and death. So we gotta understand that there, we've, we've been atoned. There's benefits. We have access, right? You know, we're, we're we we were we were dead in our sins, and because the wages of sin is death, and in, in that and there's no remission of blood, there's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood, Jesus said his blood, the life is in the blood, he shed his life to pay for. Sin, that's atoning, atonement is paying for uh, that price of death. So now we're back to life. One of the things of getting back to life, you go back to the big beginning, is we're back to being speaking spirits. See, when, we're, when we are in sin, we're the walking dead. You know, it's probably how they came up with that show. So we're the walking dead. So we speak, but we speak uh, life-taking uh, words as opposed to life-giving words. See, 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 we're snared by the words of our mouth. Look, look, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Death is in the power of the tongue. A lot of times it's operate more when you're not, uh, when you're living in that, that that dark world. You speak death. You know, there's people, we've talked to people. Actually, you met somebody at a restaurant, I think, this this young lady, I think. I think it was you. And she was uh wasn't expecting to live past a certain age. And I've taught the people, oh, I'm, you know, uh, ain't nobody in my family lived past, look, so he's speaking it out. Nobody in my family lived past 26, so, you know, I'm just going to try to have a good, good time up to 26. Right? So, so we don't realize we're snared by the words of our mouth. It keeps happening because people are projecting it forward with their words. Right? As opposed to speaking what God says. You know, you know, we making statements like, "Well, it, it's been, it runs in my family, so it's probably going to run to, me, run through me." Well, guess what? You're a child of God now. Guess what runs in the family? <laughs> Healing, deliverance, right? <laughs> right. So let's start speaking that. Right. The prayer of faith, which heals the sick, is to follow, not precede the planning of the seed, the word upon which faith is based. So the prayer of faith which saves the sick, that, that's, that's following us planting that, the, that seed of the word, which is upon our faith. Now, this, this is probably going to be come up with another teaching, but since God gave it to me this morning, like first thing before I even got on my face to pray, he's, uh, God said this. He said, he said Keith, uh, our challenge Well, you're saying our challenge, not his challenge. He's cool. (laughs) Has been offering needs and not seeds to God. We've been offering needs and not seeds to God. Scripture says he knows what we have need of and has provided seed for it to harvest. God already knows what we have need of. And he's provided seed for it to harvest. The scripture talks about, we talked about faith today, right? Faith is what? As a grain of a mustard seed, right? The scripture says in 2 Corinthians, it says, God gives seed to the sower, right? It says, for one, to minister bread for your food and to multiply your seed sown. So I always use, that scripture I always use like an apple. When you get an apple, most of it is for us. When it says bread for food, it's not just talking about a loaf of bread. It's talking about your your nourishment. So if you get an apple, mostly all the apples for us, right? Ninety percent of it's for us. We're supposed to eat the seeds, though. You're right. we're supposed to sow the seed. So if we're the first person on the earth, and somebody gave us an apple, and we eat the entire apple and the seeds. The whole earth gonna die because we're supposed to plant the seeds, right? Right. And so God gives seed to the sower, right? Again, the minister bread for your food, multiply your seeds, sown, right? So God says, I've given plenty of seeds to meet every need. Are you a sower? I've given plenty of needs, plenty of seeds to meet every need. Are you a sower? Scripture says, as long as the earth remain, there'll be what? Seed time and harvest, right? That's Genesis 8:22. So God said this, stop presenting needs and start sowing seeds. Stop presenting needs and start sowing seeds. And so, so he, he told me this. He said, he said, that's what tithing is about. He says, I set up the system of tithing because tithing is training, or it's about disciplining ourselves to live as seed sowers, which in turn facilitates us in living as a harvester of supplied needs. A harvester of supplied needs. It says, though that sows seeds sparingly, reap needs supplied sparingly. Right? And so, 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 I, what he, so this the thought he walked me up with, he said, he said, Keith, man, he said, too many of us are just uh, uh, sowing needs and not seeds. They're coming to me offering needs instead of offering seeds, right? And I've I've given seeds for people to sow, you know, whether it's our finances or whatever. even, Even tithing, yes, it's about discipline of sowing seeds, but look, he says, I'll pour out a blessing you won't have room enough to receive. That's exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. He says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. So things won't just get devoured, right? He says, your vine won't cast forth fruit before it's time. So it's not just uh, the growing stuff is in the right climate and the right season, right? He says, so he set us up. But you, you still have people don't tie. You know, people don't even operate in seeds somewhere. So they just eat the seeds, you know? And, but, still, but, but why are we struggling? We're struggling because I've never seen a person sad. That has a fully harvested life. Where their needs are being supplied. And and, and they're, they're, they're reaping. In their life. I've never seen a person sad. I normally see people. That are struggling. When they're not living that. Flourishing life. But because. Again. We talked about it at the beginning. The prescription for infirmity. Was love. The number one aptitude of love is giving, right? You know, you watch people in the kingdom. They're around the kingdom all the time, and the kingdom, he says, tithing is about bringing meat in my house. Um, he says, so basically he could, you know, take care of kingdom work. People benefit from kingdom work, but, they, but a lot of people don't even participate. They don't know how stuff gets done. I, man, we've had people over the years, they've listed, yeah, so I think what we need is this, this, that, and the other. And I, I don't ever say nothing. You know, if it's something that we need, we just put it on our list. But I sure be looking like, man, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. I was like, like, you don't, you're, you're not, you, you don't even give your seeds to the kingdom. But your listing needs to be met. But like it ain't nothing. And, I, and so I would be saying to myself, how do you think these things are going to get me? <laughs> you know, you walk in, hey, hey, baby, hey, hey, hey. We need, hey, we need to keep this air on, keep this air rolling. I'm like, how do you think that happens? <laughs> like, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, like to, this is how my mind works. So, so that wasn't a scripture I just said. Is my mind just thinks like that all the time. I, I mean, I just be like, because I always, when we did the men's thing and I was like, like we just walk around, you got that, right? You got that, right? Like we 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 almost live like that. We got that. It ain't no you got that. We got that. It's us. We all have to do this. And God is saying, hey, like, I gave you the seeds, which I did my part. Trust me, by faith, sow the seeds and be fruitful, multiply and replenish. Isn't that our job? Way back in Genesis. Nothing's changed. So people can receive their healing, people can receive their needs met, and some people are dealing with a lot of sickness and disease because they're stressed out. They ain't getting their stuff taken care of. They're limited to to, to have access to things, right? And it's wearing them down. They're afraid to shake somebody's hand because they can't say that they're flourishing a certain way. So I'm going to avoid people's because now I have to deal with the accountability of what you're doing. Because this first week, what you're doing now? Oh, man, that's why I don't want to show up, <laughs> Right? So people are really stressed out and isolated because, goes back to belongings void because they have this void in their life which God has given us seed to cover every void. He's given us everything we need. He's like, I already know what you have need of. That's why I provided for it ahead of time. Now, you're going to use the seed that I gave you. Remember, the, even with the, uh, the, young, uh, the, the lady that was ready to die, and she was with the prophet, and she was like, hey, he's about to make me a cake and we die. He says, make me a cake first. What he said was, there's a seed in that cake that can meet your need. And then the person that was with the oil pots, because she always, as we've been growing in our life, and there's the circumstance. She, she milked that scripture, babe, pour the oil. We just got to pour the oil. <laughs> Remember, he, she just kept pouring the oil and just like, she, she just kept filling up pots. So she took care of her debt and then some, right? So, so there was a seed there in every situation, right? So instead of us amplifying the need, look for the seed. Right? God has it covered. Like, you'd be surprised, you know, how God is uh, setting things up. Remember, he healed the person. Look, he healed the person, sent them to the priest, and said, offer what's required. Why is that? Are we skipping these parts in the Bible? Why is that important? He could just heal them and say, man, have a good day. He said, oh, don't, don't talk to nobody. Go to the priest and offer what Moses said. What it basically said is, man, make sure you sow your seed. Keep it going. Keep it forward. Don't lose what you got. Appreciate it by giving the seed and keep things replenished, fruitful, and multiplied. All right? That's all I have for today. We'll get into some other stuff on faith and the power of God's word. Hopefully, we'll have time for that uh, next Wednesday.